morning, church. Our scripture reading today is in two passages. The first is Galatians 5, 22 to 23, and the second is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. So reading first in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word. You may be seated. Well, we're in our summer series on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, uh, 22 through 23. And I hope that we've been, as we've been going through this, that you've been as encouraged and as challenged as I have been. I know I certainly have been even in preparing this, uh, this message, which kind of hits me uh, close to home this week. I, I, hope that, I hope that we're challenged, I hope that we're all challenged by the, the realization that growing in love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, that growing in that fruit of the Spirit, that that, that is the marker those fruit, those are the markers of growth in the Christian life. That, that is the marker of growth in Christian life. Not how much scripture that you've memorized or how many church services that you've been to, though those are maybe very important, but the marker of growth in the Christian life are those fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that should be challenging for us. And it is challenging because it's a lot easier just to know how to grow in knowledge and skills, Right? And I think sometimes we equate that sometimes with the Christian life, that just as I like, if I'm going to be good at my, at my role at work, then I, I need to read certain things and grow in certain things, I need to grow in certain skills. If I want to get good at investing in the stock market or uh, get good at some sort of sport, like I need to, to, to study and, and develop skills to get good at it. And it's easy to tell, like, this is how I study and this is how I develop and this is how I can tell if I'm getting better at this skill, if I see the output that's happening. But what we're talking about with these fruit of the spirit is the, we're really talking about character traits. And, and, and a character trait isn't truly a character trait until you bleed them when you're a wounded. It's not something you can study and learn skills for. It's something that you bleed when you are wounded, when you can't remember the skills anymore. When you've forgotten the Bible verses that you've memorized. When the chips are down, whenever you're in an argument with a friend or, a, or your wife, whenever someone cuts you off in traffic, whenever you're faced with a, a moral crisis, whenever someone wrongs you and deeply wounds you, what do you bleed out? When you forget the Bible verse, when you forget the skill that you learned, who we really are whenever we're pricked, that's our character. And we should be growing in those character traits which are the character traits of God, by the way, in the Christian life. And that's challenging to think that. But it's also, I hope that you are encouraged. I don't just want you to be challenged, though I hope that we are. I want you to be encouraged because these characteristics are ones that we, sh that we should be exhibiting are God's character. They're the characteristics that make God, God, and that's why they're the fruit of the Spirit. And if someone is exhibiting and growing in these fruit, it's because the Spirit of God is giving them the ability and the motivation to do so. 
If you are growing in the fruit of the Spirit, it's only because the Spirit of God is giving the motivation and the ability, the power to do so. It's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. We bear the fruit of the Spirit only as we abide in Christ. And it's a challenge that we should be exhibiting those character traits, but it should be, you should be encouraged that it's, it can only come through God. It's not by your effort, your discipline that causes you to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. It's only by abiding in Jesus Christ. You are never, you and I were never meant to grow and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit by our own power or strength. Jesus said, bear these fruit, but only, you can only do so under my power. That's why you're saying, apart from me, you can do nothing, but if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He's saying you will look more and more like me. It's sort of like this, if you picture like the fruit of the Spirit like this. It's sort of like, if you've ever been in a class and the teacher says something like this, this exam will be 75% of your total grade for the semester. And you're like, you can just... Here, sometimes an audible moan, like, oh, no. But then they say, and it's going to be an open book test. And you're like, okay. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is like. It's a challenge. This is what it means to grow in the Christian life. But I've given you all the power and the ability not on your own, only from me. It's like this. If you would, you don't have to participate in this, but where you are, just... Stop and take a deep breath and breathe it out. That's what it's supposed to be like to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. A deep breath of rest as we cease from our striving and we experience the grace of God pouring into us and out of us in a way that cannot be explained otherwise. Jesus is talking about in our passage, passage today, relief and rest, and that's what it means to walk in the spirit, to be in true relief and rest. This week we're focusing on gentleness, and it's a tough subject because it's unheralded in our culture. There's, there, you, don't, uh, you don't hear very often like, uh, we're giving away award this year for the gentlest person of the year. Uh, you don't see like on your social media feed, here is Forbes' 100 list of the gentlest people in our nation. It's not something that we herald or something that we hold high, but we're going to see today why it's a fruit of the Spirit and why it's incredibly precious. Uh, I've been reading a book that's uh, been kind of uh, through, uh, actually, several different books. The Lord's really been rocking my world in this whole subject of, of, of uh, gentleness. This one book is written by Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And he points out in this passage in Matthew 11 that this is the one place where Jesus not just tells us who he is or where he came from, that he came from the Father, that he's the Son of God. It doesn't just tell us what he came to do and that is to seek and save sinners, but it's the one place where he shows us his heart. It's the only place where he says, look, this is what I'm about. This is how I think about myself. This is how I view myself at the very heart level. And this is what he says, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, your app, you can look there. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. 
Jesus said to this, Jesus said this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see that? You see how Jesus describes himself? Not just who he was or what he came to do, but how does Jesus describe how he thinks about himself? How does Jesus describe himself at the heart level? And this is what he says he is. He says at the heart level, this is how Jesus thinks about himself. He says, I am gentle and I am lowly. And because of that, he says, I am gentle and lowly. And because of that, we can find rest for our souls from him. And we long for rest. We were made to rest in God. Augustine, St. Augustine famously said, our hearts are made for thee and they are restless till they find rest in thee. And don't we feel that? We were made to enjoy God being everything and providing everything that we need. Listen to that. Though we were given a job and a role, mankind was given a job and a role in the garden, we were made to enjoy God and to enjoy him providing everything for us. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't create the world. We didn't create the garden. He created it all and he said it was good and we were made to enjoy him and his goodness and his glory and to find rest in him providing everything, everything that we needed, everything. But now, because of the fall, because of the curse, we are born by labor into labor. That's part of the curse itself. He said to to womankind, from now on, childbearing will be laborious. It will be effort for you. And to man, he said, you will work and and toil the grounds You'll work in toil and till the grounds by the sweat of your brow. That was part of the curse of the law. We were born now, from, we were born to, we were made to live and rest, but we are now born by labor into labor. And the same lie comes to us. Every single one of us that came to our mother Eve and tells us that the source of our labor, the source of our toil is actually God, that, that he isn't either real enough or he isn't caring enough to actually take care of us and provide everything that we need. And it's into that lie that Jesus came. And the gentleness of Jesus corrects our sense of the harshness of God. It destroys our legalistic distrust of God. You hear that? The gentleness of Jesus, he stands before us and says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me and learn of me, for I am meek or gentle and lowly of heart. Come to me. Come to me and find rest for your weary souls. You are working and you are toiling and you are striving on your own power to be your own king, to rule your own life, to make your own way, to provide for yourself because of a distrust for me because you don't think I'm either real enough or powerful enough or I care enough to actually provide for you. That was a lie that came to Eve. And to Adam, he, he told you not to do this because he knows that if you do so that, that you'll really be like him and all of a sudden distrust erupt, erupted between Eve and God, between Adam and God. Maybe he doesn't really care about me. Maybe he isn't really about my best. 
Maybe he's trying to hold me back from something. And we buy in that lie and we think I need to toil and strive to make my own way. Or if I believe that he is real enough, I believe that he's not caring enough to actually have to prove myself to him, prove myself to him by my work and by my effort. But Jesus comes into our legalistic distrust of him and he says, first of all, I am gentle. Now, that word gentle means meek or humble. It's translated throughout scripture as humble. It, it can also be translated as gentleness as it is here in Galatians 5. Humility or meekness is used to picture an internal attitude and gentleness is used when they translate this word to just talk, talk about an exterior behavior or external behavior. So here's, what's, here's what we're saying is that when Jesus stands up before us and he says, come to me, everyone who is weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because I am gentle and lowly. When he says he is gentle, he's saying that that's his heart posture. That's how he thinks and feels. And because of that, he's assuring us that when the way that he'll behave towards us is with absolute gentleness. He says, I am gentle, and he says, I am lowly. That word lowly means undistinguished. It means someone who is common or of low estate. Jesus says, this is how I think about myself. Though he is God Almighty, though he holds the universe together by the word of his power, he says, this is how I think of myself, as gentle and lowly, that's how I come to you. Because I know that you are man. I know that you are sinful. I know that you've rebelled against me. I know you can't keep your stuff together. I know you're always straying. I know when you see my purity and my holiness, whenever you really see it, you see your, in yourself your own sinfulness and your own dirtness and dirtiness and, and you wanna pull away from me, but I, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I am gentle and I'm lowly. That's why I took the form of a man. So I could stand before you and say, I am one of you. I am God, but I am one of you. And I'm opening my arms to you saying, I am gentle and lowly of heart. I'm accessible and approachable, is what he's saying. I am gentle and I'm lowly. And he says, in, in heart. And what he's saying there, he's at the center of my being. I'm not making an act. I'm not pretending I'm gentle and lowly so you can come to me and I can curry some votes with you. I am in the core of my being gentle and lowly, humble and meek. That word meek, and in case you're not aware of it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean weakness. It means bridled strength. It means someone who is, who is in control of their strength and their power and they are lowering themselves. Now, this is a, a seeming contrast when we see Jesus standing before us who is gentle and he's saying, I'm gentle and I'm lowly, but yet he also claimed and still claims equality with God the Father. When the Pharisees approached him and they were coming after him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. He took on God's title for himself that he gave to Moses, I am that I am. Jesus took on that title. He was God. He is God. He is the almighty creator God. He is the one, Jesus was saying, when he stood before the Pharisees, I am the one that led the Israelites out of the mighty country of Egypt by my almighty hand. I am that one. And yet, 
in his unimaginable power, Jesus is using that great power to say, I have all the authority and all the power that I have, I'm inviting the lowly in. I am meek and lowly of heart. This is a quote from that, uh, that book, Gentle and Lowly by, by Dane Ortland. You guys should get it, absolutely. I had some copies, but they've all been stolen in the past couple of months. Gentle and lowly. This, according to his own testimony, is Christ's very heart. This is who he is. Tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. If we were to say, if we were asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. This is meekness and gentleness by God's own will, not by necessity. He is overwhelmingly powerful. He is fearfully holy, but yet he is purposely open to those who come to him for relief. This high and holy Christ does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty sinners and numbed sufferers, Dane Ortland says. Such embrace is precisely what he loves to do. He cannot bear to hold back. So when Jesus stands before us and says, I am gentle and lowly, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It is the gentleness of Jesus that encourages us to come to him just as we are, just as we are. Jesus tells us he is gentle and lowly, so therefore he says, because of that, he says, come to me. Come to me, it's a personal call. It's a personal call to you and to me personally. It's a personal call to come to him personally. It's not a call to a message. It's not a call to a doctrine. It's not a call to a book. It's not a call to a teaching. It is a call to Jesus Christ himself. It's not a call to a creed. It's not a call to an idea. It's a call to him. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And in me, in me, you will find rest for, because I am gentle and lowly of heart. Come to me. It's a call of open invitation. No rings to jump through. He doesn't say, hey, fix yourself up and come to me. He doesn't say, take your burden off and come to me. He doesn't say, stop from your toiling and your striving and then you can come to me. He has no rings to jump through, no strings attached. It's just the son of God in flesh, a man who personally came to us, who purposely, personally came to you, calling out to you today and calling out to us always, come. Just come. But, but we say, like the people around Jesus in his day, that st- as he stood before them and said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, for I'm weak and gentle and meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my burden is easy and it's light. He put out that call to them, and, and just like them, we say, but Jesus... I don't really know if you exist, so I I can't come to you until I'm sure that you exist. He says, come. You'll find out if I exist. I don't have to convince you. You don't have to convince yourself. You don't have, have irreversible proofs. He just says, come. See what you find. He said, but we say a lot, but I don't know if I can be a good Christian 
He says, come. He doesn't say, hey, fill out this form and we'll have an interview process and I'll figure out if you qualify, if you're a good enough person, if you can handle this thing on the other side. He says, no, I am meek and lowly and gentle of heart. Come to me if you are weak and you are heavy laden, if you are tired, if you are poor, come to me. He said, wait, let me take care of this important thing before I come to you. He says, no, just come. Well, let me go to, come to church more often, then I'll feel more qualified to come. He says, no, just come. He said, well, let me, let me stop looking at porn for a month so I can, I can prove to you that I'm gonna really do this thing. He says, no, come. Come to me with your porn in your hands. Come to me with it in your mind. He says, just come to me. Well, God, let me go for a week without drinking. You know I have this problem. I've been trying to kick it. I know it's keeping me out of your presence. Let me, let me just, let me quit drinking for a week. He says, no, just come. God, let me, let me flush these pills down the toilet. He says, no, just come. Come to me with them in your hand, come to me with him in your system. He doesn't say give you any qualifications, no strings attached, no rings to jump through. He just says, come to me and you can come to me with confidence because I am weak and meek and lowly of heart. I am gentle and I will deal gently with you. Oh, he says, oh, you're, you're trying hard you're working hard, you, you have a burden you can't get rid of, you're deep in sin and in a, in a constant cycle of sin that you can't break. Have you been sinned against? Someone's hurt you? Someone's marred you, someone has treated you wrongly and you can't, don't feel that you can ever be whole or right again? He says, I didn't ask you to drop your burden before you come, he said, come to me with the burden. I didn't command you, he says, to complete your task of making yourself right before you come. If you could do that, you wouldn't need me. He says, come to me with the burden. Come to me tired. Come to me laden down. Come to me, he says, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. My call, he says, is heard by those who toil and who are weighed down. In fact, the only people who respond are those that are so tired that they recognize that he, that I, Jesus Christ, am the only source of help. That's the ones who respond. The ones who think they're strong, who think they're okay, have no need of the meek and lowly Jesus. There may be a reason that you feel so far from God, whether you're Christian or not a Christian, could be that you really buy into the fact that you are strong enough to do this thing by yourself. Jesus' gentle calls to those who toil and those who are weighed and beaten down, but why wouldn't we come to this meek and lowly Jesus, this gentle Jesus? Why wouldn't we come to him? Why, why don't you come to him now? What is keeping you today from running into his open arms that are waiting and, cr and crying out for you to come? What keeps you? What's keeping you under the, the great weight, exhausted from trying to carry it yourself? If you're not a Christian, what's keeping you away? If you are a Christian, Christian, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, why does this description sound so much like your life, weary and heavy laden? When your gentle savior calls out, come to me and you'll find rest. Why would anyone not come and find rest with him? Well, it's because we doubt the gentleness and the lowliness of Jesus. We either doubt it or we don't want it. I'm not sure he's real. I'm not sure he's strong. I'm not sure he's trustworthy. I'd rather work. I'd rather work and have a backup plan in life. In case God doesn't come through, I'd rather have a backup plan to make myself better, make my own way, make sure I'm provided for, because in my heart I'm saying, you never can really trust anybody. And so I don't know if I can trust him. I'm gonna work hard to be good, work hard to do whatever I think is good for me, and all the while toiling and weighed down, weary and heavy laden. Or I think I need to earn his saving. I believe God can save me. I believe Jesus is the savior, but I believe I have to earn his saving. I have to do something. I have to clean myself up. I have to leave this behind. Before I come to him, I have to get right. I have to make myself right. I have to prove that I, to myself that I can I have to earn to prove to him I'm worth saving. Because we really were afraid that we're not worth it. Or if you believe that you are saved, you've received his salvation, you, you feel like you have to earn his blessing. Like, yeah, God saved me through Christ. I'm so thankful for that. But it's almost like a picture of like, of like God, Jesus saved me. Sort of like, uh, my, my youngest daughter is still in diapers. And that's not very pleasant. But you take the diapers out of the diaper pail, which is very not pleasant. But then something happens in the summer whenever you put it in the bin that sits outside and every time you go to open that lid, death, just sheer death comes out of that lid. And I can't wait, I'm, as fast as I can, I'm throwing the next bag or whatever I'm putting in there and closing that lid so I can get away from there. And sometimes we feel like that's what Jesus does for us at the cross. Like we're sinful, like he's just, I'll cover you with my blood, all right. And now we feel like I have to, like anytime I'm gonna, need something from him or want something from him, I have to, I have to earn that blessing. Like he, he'll save me, but I gotta earn that blessing. I gotta earn anything else that comes from him. Like he reluctantly provided his blood to cover my sin. Well, that means that there's a, a deep inner distrust between Jesus and me. Because when is good enough ever good enough? It isn't. And we know it. And so we toil and we strive, always feeling our failure, doubting the effectiveness of our prayers, knowing we don't witness enough, knowing we don't study the Bible enough. And when Jesus has covered us with his sin, covered our sin with his blood, we try to cover ourselves. Like a, like a spouse is continually trying to, to hide their naked self from the other when they've been together. But we're ashamed. We distrust. We don't really believe 
that he is truly gentle and lowly. And he doesn't just tolerate us coming to him. It is his heart's desire that we come to him. And he doesn't mind that we come to him weary and heavy laden with our burdens. It brings him joy to relieve us of those and to be the only one who does. Whether we try to work for him to earn his favor or we run from him and rebel against him, the, that source of that is the same, a distrust and a disbelief, disbelief in the offer of the Lord who came to us and describes himself as gentle and lowly. But he says, take this yoke upon you. We all have a yoke. We all have a burden. None of us are free. And he says, exchange yours for mine. Or rather, let me exchange it for you. Because you see, it's not the doctrine of the cross that saves you, though it is an incredibly important doctrine. But the doctrine of the cross about Jesus' sacrifice for our sin on our behalf, his, his substitutionary death for us, is not just some, like, some doctrine that we trust in. It's a doctrine that points us to Jesus. It's not the gospel that saves you. I want you to hear that. It's not the gospel that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. It's the gospel that points you to Jesus. It's not the word of God that saves you. It's the word of God that tells us about Jesus. He doesn't say, come to my book, all you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest for my soul. Memorize its, its contents and you will find rest. He says, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. The book tells us about Jesus. It is, it is precious, it's holy. It is what shows us who he is, but it points us to him. And the burden that we carry is exchanged as we come to him when we cry out, when we trust that he is gentle and lowly, that he won't cast us out. And that is our appeal, not to the cross, not to the blood of Christ, but to Jesus himself. For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. You know what he says? He says, my yoke is not a yoke. At least not like we've known. It is light and easy because he carries it. It's the gentleness of Jesus that invites us to come into him and it's the gentleness of Jesus that frees us to be gentle and lowly then with others. He says, learn of me. He promises not only that will we find rest with him, but we'll find a new way of living. We'll learn how to be gentle and lowly ourselves. We'll learn to live in his freedom, because that's really what he's describing. Freedom, true freedom. If you come to the gentle Jesus with all of your stuff and you find that he is gentle and lowly and he brings you into himself regardless of what you have done with no hoops to jump through, that he provides all of your salvation for you, he sacrifices on your behalf and continually holds you and pulls you into himself out of his love for you, not in spite of what you've done, but simply because he loves you, then it frees you. You've heard the phrase, Hurt people hurt people. Well, free people then turn around and free people. 
If I've come to Jesus with all that I am and he knows everything I am and all the, all the things that I have done and yet I find him truly gentle and lowly, then I'm free from my burden and my toil. I find his yoke is easy and light. Yes, I, I work, but I don't work to earn his favor. I work from his favor. I find rest. And if, not, if I'm not earning God's favor, if I'm not earning God's favor, then I don't demand others to earn mine. You see how that starts to turn in our hearts? If I don't have to earn God's favor and everything that he has is at my disposal as his son, then I don't have to work to earn his favor. Everything belongs to God and it is mine in Christ. Then I don't demand from others to earn my favor. If I know my lack of deserving Jesus' love has only caused him to open his arms wider to him, then I can love others with humility no matter what they have done. That's where the power to love people sacrificially no matter and, and without any strings attached comes from. If I know that I'm loved by Jesus no matter what I have done and only, no matter what I have done, it, his arms are only open wider to me because he is gentle and lowly of heart, then I can love others without any strings attached. Even when they wound me, and it hurts, it wounds me. If I know that Jesus reaches out to me even though I am undesirable because he considers himself lowly too, then I can do the same to people around me. I can reach out to the lowly and those who I would before have considered undesirable because I realize my Jesus is gentle and lowly and that's who I am as well and I can reach out to them. We display humility and meekness and gentleness when we experience that Jesus is humble, meek, and gentle. I'll say that again. We display humility, meekness, and gentleness when we experience that Jesus is humble and meek and gentle. And that gentleness exhibited in us and through us will be as intoxicating to the people around us as Jesus' gentleness is intoxicating to us. i close with this quick little story just to, to give you a quick example of what it could look like. I know I haven't given you a lot of how-tos, like tell me how to be gentle. Well, the point is I can't. When we experience the gentleness of Jesus, it frees us to be gentle with the people around us. There's a story about this minister, and uh, he was saved back in the early 20th century, somewhere around the turn of the century, in the uh, Salvation Army movement. His last name was Wigglesworth. And uh, he got saved, had this incredible salvation experience, and he and his wife are ministering together in the Salvation Army and seeing some awesome things happen. And then at some point, I don't know exactly what happened, but he, he started backsliding. He got angry with God and angry with the church. And he, he pulled away. And, and he got bitter towards the church and he wouldn't go anymore. Some of you have been there. Maybe I've been there. And his, one night his wife was gonna go to a meeting and he told her, I, I forbid you from going to this worship meeting tonight. And she said to him gently in return, which you can, it sounds like a lot like First Peter to me, but she, she said, gently in return, she said, I have to obey the Lord rather than you. And he said, well, if you go, don't come home tonight, I'm gonna lock the door. You're not gonna come home tonight. 
She went to the meeting, worshiped, came home, and the door was locked. When he woke up the next morning, he went and opened the front door and she was sleeping on the front stoop. And he opened the door, she woke up, looked at him, told him good morning, and walked in and made him breakfast without saying a word about him locking the door. And he said it was that, at that moment that he knew he needed to come back to the Lord. It's, it's that kind of supernatural gentleness that occurs in our own hearts and empowers us to be gentle with people and it allows us to sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed for us that can change people's hearts and lives. I pray God would make us that kind of people. This morning I'm gonna pray and we're gonna open up the uh, communion table for you this morning. And you're gonna receive, a, if you're a believer in Christ, you're gonna receive a plastic cup with a wafer at the top and the juice on the bottom. As you come and take that and someone puts it in your hand and tells you this is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ for you, I want you to receive it and think about how our Jesus Christ is so gentle and so lowly that he went all the way to the cross for your sin and my sin. And he doesn't hold it over our heads. He doesn't constantly remind us about how much he's sacrificed for us in order to, to try to cajole us and manipulate us into serving him. Rather, he continually invites us further in with only grace and love. Receive that cup as a sign and a symbol of his grace and love for you. Receive it in the presence of Christ today. And as you do so, ask God that he would help you to experience his grace and his gentleness and his lowliness today to empower you to go and be the same. But not under your own strength and power, but only under his. And then we're gonna worship him together as we close out. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you called out 2,000 years ago and you, you call out still today, not just an echo, but your words alive and active in your word call out to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest. For I, for I am meek and gentle and lowly. Lord, why would we not come? God, today some of us need to come to you. We need to run to you, not trying to clean ourselves up, not trying to purify ourselves, not trying to take the burden off, not trying to quit our toiling, not trying to, to, to get better to, in order to qualify for you, but to know that our only qualification is the toil and the striving, is the burden that we carry. We need to run to you. 
I pray that if someone here today who is not a believer in Christ, that today would be the day. I encourage you, run to him today. Find someone today. Do not leave this room today without running to Jesus Christ. You might need to physically run to the front or grab someone beside you and say, that's me. Don't let one more second pass by. Or maybe you're a believer in Christ today. And sneakily between you and your, your savior, this lie has crept in to say, no, I gotta, I gotta strive. Like he, he tolerates me, but I have to earn favor with him in other ways. Here again, your loving savior. He doesn't even say repent of that and then come to me. He says, come to me. And you'll find rest. Return to your savior this morning. Find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God, be with us as we continue to worship in the name of Christ. Amen.